This is the Music Buzz Podcast. Podcast features candid discussions with and about those behind the scenes in the music business, including industry veterans representing the segments of musician, design, and live. All three Music Buzz podcast hosts have spent their careers working with the biggest names in entertainment and have been and are still a fly on the wall. Dan Clark as the drummer for John Mellencamp's band for over 20 years and various solo projects. Hugh Sign, a world-renowned graphic artist for the biggest names in music and the corporate world. Andy Wilson, an award-winning marketing and public relations executive with over 20 years of combined multi-level entertainment industry experience in the music and sports business. Now let's buzz. Hello and welcome back to the Music Buzz podcast. I'm Andy Wilson, one of your co-hosts, along with Dane Clark. Hi, Dane. Hi, Andy. How are you today? Good. And also Hugh Syme. How's it going, Hugh? It's going well, thank you, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm good. We are joined today by the legendary Kenny Jones. As the drummer with the Small Faces, Faces, The Who, and The Law, and others, Kenny Jones has been at the heart of some of the biggest bands ever to have come out of the UK. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee is the beat behind some of Rock's most popular radio hits from the past 50 years, including Stay With Me, Ooh La La, Ichiku Park, Cindy Incidentally, You Better You Bet, Another Tricky Day, Eminence Front, and more. Playing alongside the likes of Rod Stewart, Ronnie Lane, Steve Marriott, Ronnie Wood, Roger Daltrey, Pete Townsend, Paul Rogers, and others. We're proud to welcome to the Music Buzz podcast, British rock royalty, Kenny Jones. Welcome, Kenny. Thank you for joining us. It's nice to be with you guys. Awesome, man. It's a pleasure and a privilege to talk to you today, Kenny. And especially, we've had a lot of drummers on here. And man, anytime we can get the back and forth between two drummers, and that'll kind of keep these guys quiet for a little bit. So yeah. that's got that's my... I've got the sticks there. Got the sticks. Excellent. There you go. I've got some nice. right back here, too. But man, I've got... Look at these notes. I got a lot of notes, man, because... Oh, no. Here's what I want to say. First of all, most of the people, we've interviewed a lot of guys on here uh, and and great drummers and, and great musicians of all kinds, but you're the first guy that I can think of. I went through and counted my records and there's a couple that I couldn't find, but I have 15 records from the vinyl days when I was younger with you on them. You're oh, the really? featured drummer of 15. So yeah, I mean... You're the percussive foundation in three of my favorite bands, and then you moonlighted on one of my favorite singles in 1974. Uh, so it was great fun for me to go back and reevaluate some of my favorite songs. So That's if you it. don't mind, I want to start and just babble a little bit here, okay. and then you, inter- you interject and whatever you want to do. But uh, I want to go back to the uh, Small Faces and say, you know, you guys were one of the best rock slash r&b slash psychedelic bands of the 60s and vastly underrated in my humble opinion and there's a lot of people that need to know about this band that don't i feel so i wanted to start off and give our listeners the music bus listeners seven complete classics that every rock fan should give a listen to and every listener here at, at music buzz just great stuff man here come the nice Oh, yeah, great song. Perfect pop song. And with open drug references, you say speed in it. Maybe the first time ever in a song that hit the radio. Classic. Tin Soldier. Great song. Ridiculous drumming. Just killer, man. 
smoking. Itchy Coop Park. That's probably the most recognizable song, at least. Very to, commercial, though. Very commercial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, the band is smoking on it, and the flanging on the drums, again, to me, seems like that was a first thing that I'd ever heard in a production. Well, it's, uh, phasing. Yeah, phasing. Phasing. But that sound, that poo -poo 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 -poo, you know, on your drum fills, I'd never yeah, heard we, that. What we did there was we we needed, myself and Glenn Jones, we were trying to get, get an effect. The only way we could get an effect like that was to get the tape, two-inch tape, loop it around the machine, and then around the back of a chair. Like that. Kept going. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So you didn't have a phase shifter plug-in or box? Oh, it was no, like it's just called phasing. So we you're didn't just, know what it was called. It just sounded what we wanted. Nice. Well, pulling the tape back like that, that's wild. Well, to my recollections, that's the first time I'd ever even heard that effect. That was incredible. It's funny, you know, as a, from a drummer's point of view, if I, if you can ever put a little bit of phasing, phasing on, your, on your snare drum, it's magic. You mean as a as a general rule? You think that? Well, yeah, not as a general rule, but whenever you feel like it. I mean, yeah, it's general. Yeah. If you can put a tiny bit, on, no, don't overdo it. Just just a tiny little bit. Interesting. Yeah. You know, these days we have plugins for that stuff, so I might be messing around with that later this afternoon. Well, plug yourself uh, in. <laughs> I think I will. The classic record, Odgen's Nut Gone Flake. Oh, yeah. Which was a huge record in England. And I, I, I mean, I had it when I was a kid. The round record, it was just a trip, you know, nothing. That was a first. Nobody ever had it. I even smoked that tobacco at the age of 13. Oh, I, I think we all smoked that tobacco. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, at some point. Man, what a classic record that was. My favorite bit of it was the very beginning, that the intro and going into Afterglow is kind of like one long song. It's yeah. like psychedelic R&B, like nothing before since, really. Your drum well, fills are furious on Afterglow. I mean, yeah. you're just going... Yeah, you know? Afterglow is a great, great song. Great, great song. Yeah, classic. Uh, yeah, I was very fortunate to have a great engineer at the time. That was Glenn Johns. Oh, one wow. of the one of the greatest ever. Oh yeah, and all, all I mean, I said I said to Glenn about a few weeks ago when I saw him, I said, "How did you get my drum sound?" He said, "It was you." So what do you mean? He said, "Your kit." He said, "All I did was put an overhead mic up and captured you the sound of your drums in the room." See, and that's that's a lost art these days. Right. You you were playing your own dynamics. It wasn't like you didn't have seventeen microphones. And oh, let's turn this hi hat mic up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, what, what the great thing about Glenn was, I said to him, "Look." I, I can hear the effect in the control room. I said, I can hear the, like, the, the echo from the room, like, you know, the, the ambient sound. Yeah. I said, I want to hear it in my cans. Oh, yeah. That's the trick. If you, put in, if you get the effect of any kind in your cans, so you can play with the timing. You <laughs> yeah. You're, you're going to play differently. Yeah, absolutely. No, no question about it. Also, I was doing a lot of sessions at that time with big, with big bands and stuff. So every time I, I learned, I, I learned, I had to play some of these complicated fills um, with it, with this big bands I was doing. Um, I kind of took it home with me, took it back to the studio, took it back to the band, and sort of played around with it. Sure. Well, it, it sure shows because that's smoking stuff. And that was the record where you guys kind of got started to get a heavier sound too, like Song of a Baker. Oh yeah, which is another classic. It, I'm surprised a heavy metal band hasn't like redone that. A it's a great song. heavy tune. Yes, yeah, damn good song. How about here's one that a lot of people probably don't know. Wham bam, thank you, ma'am. Might oh, be yeah. the heaviest track you guys cut. Mm. It's more rock and I roll. Mean, it's the only rock and roll song we ever did, really. I everything mean, it's was, everything was 
I mean, when I say obvious rock and roll, Wham Bam Take Your Man was an obvious rock and roll song, you know. But no the, question. All the other songs we did were, were, you know, really the start of the small faces. Yeah, you guys were really an R&B band when you first yeah. popped out. Let's go back to that period of time, if you don't mind, and kind of tell us how that band took formation. Well, we did a lot of jamming together when we felt like every band gets together and they get to know each other. And so we were very fortunate to have Steve Marriott there. Uh, and he's playing loose guitar and a bit of feedback here and there. And Ronnie on bass. Ronnie on bass was just dynamite. He played a fretless bass sometimes. Uh, and then it was just the way he played. Was he just locked, the two of us just locked in. Right. Plonk, you guys used to call him, right? That's because he had a big dick. <laughs> <laughs> okay i figured it's the sound that he made on the bass but okay now now we know now we know okay. don't really know what to say to that but yeah but okay <laughs> well you guys so you guys formed in what 65 before that was it yeah 64 you were and then we had, we had our first hit record uh in 65 okay i was just turning six i was just 15 at the time when we made the record and that's a 16 when, when you go into the charts wow no, nice yeah that's awesome you start your career at 15 I just left school <laughs> wow. yeah well i never went to school when i went to school <laughs> well i i was guilty of that sometimes too who did um yeah right well man you guys have a it's a wonderful uh amount of, of music created in that band in four years or oh yeah uh, I mean, an incredible different variety of all that stuff. And of course, those well, songs. The great were... thing is, it was the most um, creative band I've ever been in. It's just, it just the great thing about the band, the actual four piece band, was, it was we had this inbuilt telepathy between each other. Mm. No one told me what to play. We didn't tell each other what to play. It just happened. You just played. Yeah. And I thought, I thought Steve Marriott was a very underrated, I mean, everybody talks about what a great singer he was, duh, we all know that. But man, he was a kind of a killer guitar player. He was wonderful to play with, wonderful. I bet. He was an interesting personality too, right? It, uh, very much so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you sound really fond of that era, apart from the fact that it was a, you know, a great alliance of four people, like you say, who had, who had the telepathy and so on. If you look back on all your musical experiences, which are so varied and so profound, who do you think of with the highest degree of fondness? Uh, out of the bands I've been in, or, or yeah, or, yeah, oh, it's got to be the Small Faces. Yeah, yeah. I, I got that feeling from awesome. You, yeah. Well, rightfully so. The Small Faces is the most creative band I've been in. The Faces were the party going, happy, just piss taking, wonderful, great guys. Yeah, like playing at a party every night, and who were the most exciting? Well, that makes sense for sure. There was a period of time, so the small faces, Marriott quit, and then you got Rod Stewart and and uh, and Ron yeah. Wood in the band. But then later, the small faces got back together in about seven. Oh yeah, hit a couple the, records. Yes, I regret that. I, do, I wish we never did that. Well, mm. I know you said that, but I, I want you to. I want to say this, and I think. It, you might even want to go back and listen to it again because uh, there's one song on that playmates record it's called find it oh find it yeah i think it's a lost classic it's a it's you're playing like a disco stomp and this was a year before miss you by the stones was a huge yeah. hit and you're doing the same deal and that song is killer marion's mm. singing it real good the guitar playing's great 
I think everybody should go back and check that out. Kenny, you might uh, want to listen to it again. I will check it out. Hey, yeah, song. you just kept it real straight for about three minutes, and then also, then you, you didn't play a fill for like three minutes. I kept waiting. Oh, he's going to do something, <laughs> but you didn't. That was cool. Yeah, the restraint was was fantastic. Well, you know, Al Jackson was. I was a big fan of Al Jackson. The greatest so slow, yeah, slow tempo <laughs> drummer ever, man. He, he would never do a fill. He just keep it straight, and then towards the end, he goes go. Bah, 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 bah. Almost every drummer that's been on here has mentioned Al Jackson. Right, guys? Al Jackson was the one. He just said that, that, that sort of behind the beat feel. Just back Yes. On. How did you first feel the need or the, the inspiration to uh, get into music, get into drumming? And did you start with drumming? It's a long story. <laughs> we got time, man. When I, when I was a kid growing up, a uh, little boy with short trousers, we had uh, in, in the east end of London, we had these Catholic processions. And my uncle was a band leader. He couldn't play a note of music, but he was a bat. He was a mace thrower, so he had the big pole. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he nice. used to lead, lead the band round round the streets of <laughs> Eastern of London. Right. But behind him was a band. But behind, right behind him, was a row of side drummers. Uh, yes. As as a kid, I used to, I just used to walk alongside them, just pretending I was one of them. Yeah. Awesome. And then I used to rush back to my my dad was a bit of a carpenter. So I went back to his shed where he had he, he made all kinds of stuff badly, and so I uh, he had these tin of nails, a box, biscuit tin of nails. So I emptied the box of nails out and turned the tin upside down. I got two bits of firewood and started playing it. That was it. It's either telephone books or or biscuit tins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Biscuit tins sound better than telephone books. <laughs> yeah, they do, exactly. Yeah. They bounce a little bit at least. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you took the nails out. That would have given you a reasonable snare sound. I was, I, yeah, I didn't know enough about that at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's it. So it started off really just, it was a percussive inspiration. Well, I think it was, it was, it was just like very much inside me. Yeah. Sure. When I got to be about 12, or just 12 years old, 13, just turning 12, 12, 13, yeah. I heard about this band uh, that was playing at a skiffle group. Yeah. Um, on TV, and the TVs we had in those days was like looking into a giant eyeball. Yeah, I, yeah. Mm. So, so I met this this mm. band was on in the evening, and it's a skiffle band. It was Lonnie Donegan. Oh so yeah, he, I know. Oh yeah. sure, yeah. On the line, and I fell yeah. in love with banjo. That's so that, that's it. I wanted to play banjo, mm. and I went to the shop to sit where they had a, um, a banjo a banjo in the window. For about three months, when I got up to the shop, they'd sold a bloody banjo. So I was really upset. A mate of mine said to me, I've got a friend of mine who's got a drum kit. I'll get him to bring it over this afternoon. I said, great, love it. So he brought it over that afternoon. And it turned out to be a floor tom drum, a bass drum, and one and a half sticks. The, st the sticks were broke. One of the sticks was broken. That's <laughs> it, one and oh. a half sticks. <laughs> yeah. So I should have called my book that one and a half sticks. <laughs> um, but, but, so we spent all afternoon trying to glue it back together. No super glue, no size. <laughs> <laughs> then it's not going to work. That's great. That's funny. That's great. So, man, I'm sure glad you didn't pick up the banjo. I wouldn't have all these classic songs, uh, <laughs> drum parts to listen oh, me to. Me too. Me too. I, <laughs> I bought a banjo just just for the fun of it. I bought the wrong banjo. And I bought a lead one. I, yeah, I like the rhythm one, little short, short one. Uh, yeah. So the one and a half sticks and that drum set, that was your first deal. I mean, when did you get a proper kit to wear? Uh, what uh, was your I, 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 there's a shop in, in the east, uh, east end of London, which, which is called, it's the only music shop there. It's called the J60s. 
And I went up there and found this junket. I, I had to get on a bus and go all the way up there. It's about four miles away. Uh, found this found this shop. I was so eager to you know to get there. And I went into the shop and I I said I just saw this junket. I said how much is that junket? He said it's he said it's sixty four pounds thirteen shillings and tuppence. Wow, <laughs> that's, that's old money. Mm. Yeah. I said, I want to buy it. He said, well, you have to put a deposit down. I said, okay, how much is deposit? It's 10 pounds. I said, okay. He said, then you're going to have to get your mum and dad to sign the higher purchase agreement. <laughs> mm. So I went, oh, great. Problem straight away. <laughs> so I got mm. back on the bus. We got back on the bus. <laughs> went, went in. My mum was at work. On the, on the mantelpiece was a purse. I opened the purse up and there was 10 pounds in it. I went, oh, right. <laughs> Thanks, so Mom. Back on the bus, got the deposit. He said, well, we delivered, the, we delivered the, yeah. the, the, the drums that evening. And so I, I, uh, they bought, bought the drums around that evening because my mum and dad had to sign the I, I purchase agreement. So they brought the drums around and my, there's a knock on the door. No one, everyone's finished work at this time, Mum and Dad. And so no one ever knocks on the door after, after that particular time. So yeah. The, the alarm bell started to ring about my, my, my dad going, who's that, who's that? So I opened the door. He went up said, open the door. This guy walks in with a big bass drum. Where do you want it? <laughs> so, I, so I rushed up and said, said, put it over there in the front room. So, so, and now my mum and dad are looking at me with daggers. Uh-huh. Yeah. With their mouths open going, never said a word. And they set, they set the drum cap. And he said, do you play drums? I said, no. <laughs> so I've only played with one and a half six, <laughs> but so, I'm getting ready to. <laughs> yeah. Then they, then they said, mm. he said, "Look, I'll tell you what. I'll set it up and I'll yeah. show you something." He set, he set them up. Then he got the brushes out. Oh, nice! And I never, I never seen the brushes before. Yeah. So, I sound the store. He said, "You have a go." He, he went. Shh, 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 shh. Sure. No, snap. And I just looked at him and I sat there. Looked at my mum and dad, looked at him, looked at these drums and their sticks, and I just closed my eyes and went, and I opened my eyes. I couldn't believe I was, it sounded just the same as what the guy was doing. Yeah. Wow. Right off the bat. Right off the bat. And then I went, shit. Oh, wow. And my, my mum and dad said, That's me, awesome. You know what? We, we, we're going to get you in, we're never going to sign these HP agreements until we saw your face. Your face just lit up. Ah. Uh, that's it's, nice. It's, yeah, that was it. That's yeah, awesome. that's awesome. That's man. I bet you they also thought this was going to be great. acceptable because if you're just going to play with that's, brushes, that's it great. wouldn't terrorize the house. <laughs> yeah. That didn't last long, though. It lost, it lost about a second. <laughs> right. That's what I figured. Because Brian Terrace House is what we lived in. So I woke all the neighbors up. God knows what. I used to go in the morning when I go up, it's, uh, first thing in the morning, I used to play about an hour before I went to school. So I woke up, I was at everyone's alarm clock. Oh, yeah. I bet they loved you. Exactly. Yeah, then, <laughs> then I went to school. Right, I'll bet. But your parents, your parents were pretty, pretty cool about it. Though I get the impression they were pretty cool about it. No, they were, they were shell shocked. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right. No one to think. <laughs> I used to go, go to school, come back yeah. in my dinner break, speechless dinner break. Yeah. What brand of drums were they? Do you do you remember? Yeah, it was a white Olympic white Olympic set. Olympic. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember those drums. Wow. I do. Yeah, I do. Cheapest. Yeah. Cheap, it was made by Premier, but huh. they're cheap, Kim. 
Oh, okay. So Premier, they're actually made by Premier. Okay. This one, you belong to an old jazz guy, and he had real half skin on. Yeah. I've still, I've still got that kit. No kidding. Yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. It, it found me because I, I, I never knew what I did with it. You know, apparently I'd sold it, not sold it. I gave it to Ronnie Lane's best friend. Nice. Hmm. He, he thought he could play drums, and because by then I'd moved up to uh, Silver Glare, Ludwig kit. Yeah. Nice. My dad bought me Premier. I remember, and I also remember the Olympic being their, uh, well, little their little brother. Yeah, yeah. So, Kenny, I have a question dialing back to your relationship with Ian McLagan. So, uh. when uh, several years ago before he passed, I was down in Austin and had the pleasure of going to watch him perform at the Lucky Lounge down there and do his thing and oh, play a lot of your old great songs. And I met him and... I ended up bringing him up to the Midwest and doing a doing several shows with him. He's so funny, Mac. So Man, funny. he was he is just the sweetest guy. And uh, uh, just tell me a little bit about your relationship and history with him. Well, when he joined the band, I just it was uh, brought another dimension to it. Obviously, I could play Booker T and the MGs all day long with him. Mm, right. And so I got. I mean, because I was I love jazz as well. So, and so we used to play a lot of jazz. You know, Steve Ronnie, you just go, don't play that fucking jazz anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you listen to in the jazz world? Who did you and do uh, you? I don't know, not anyone specifically, but, uh, you know, just, gen just gen generally. Yeah, okay. So that was a big change when Jimmy Winston left the band and you got Ian in. Yeah. That really made the sound, it was a lot different. Oh, yeah, having to have an organ, it was it just yeah. heaven. Just heaven. No, he's a, he was just such an incredible player, but even more of an incredible person, yeah. I felt like. Yeah. yeah. Great performer, too. Of course, you mentioned earlier, Dane, you mentioned the Stones Miss You, and Ian played on that song, actually. Yes, he did. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he played. The, I saw him on tour with them, the, the, uh, some girls tour. Yeah. He did that tour so, with those guys. So when you think of, I was thinking about you guys last night, The Faces, right? And, and I was thinking, gosh, is there another band that, to me... You know, it's like the secret weapon. You know, it's influenced everybody from the Black Crows to Guns N' Roses to the Stones and everybody else. I mean, to me, the faces are just like, to me, one of those great rock and roll bands. It just has all the party bands. <laughs> you were a great party band. Oh, yeah. And, and you guys uh, had pictures of you, bottles of wine and stuff on the inside. I mean, you guys were having a good time. Had me a real good time, just like the song said, right? I don't know, but I guess my point is, is like when you hear when you hear a lot of those bands I mentioned and other bands, every once in a while driving down the road, I'm like, that's the faces, man. They're ripping yeah. their asses off, you know? And that's a compliment, but... I mean, when you think back about those years, I mean, do you ever drive down the road, Kenny, and hear, oh, they're ripping the faces off? <laughs> I just, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's great fun. Listen yeah. to other people. Man, those songs are just incredible. It's just, you can tell it's just so we're, we're loose. Doing, we're, we're, you know? we're doing an album at the moment, me, Ronnie, and, and uh, Rod. I'd heard about okay. that. Tell us, tell us about that. Yeah. Man, that's good. I can't wait. To, I'm going to buy I mean, that. Even though, even though the faces split up, right? We still get together two or three times a year at least, right? That's great. That's, That's really cool, cool, man. Good for you guys. In, anywhere, any restaurant in London, anywhere we go, just cause a havoc. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good for you guys. Do you get together to play it live, or do you get together just to hang? And, and no, no, uh, Yeah, no, no. We pl we're playing playing live now. But yeah. Woody and I always got, used to play together. That's yeah. great. See, Woody and I used to go into the studio, just me and him, work on some riffs, and get that down, get that sort of riff 
in your brain, and then we get running uh, and everybody else. So tell us more about that project. Yeah, we can't wait to hear that. When's it due to come out, and how far into it are well, you? Well, we, we, we've done about 12 tracks, right? Rod has, Rod has sang on about six of them so far. Oh, cool. So we're kind of in the middle of it. He has to still sing on the six remaining tracks, or? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. yeah no. So I've got, well, I got a question. I got, I've got a, I've, Andy, I'm sorry. I hate to pop in there, but this is a really important one. So it's only rock and roll. Is it? Now, <laughs> I, I believe I heard that was cut at Ronnie Wood's house back in the day. Ronnie Wood. Do you remember that session? Yeah, I do. Yeah. It was, uh, I, well, I bet. I remember lots of sessions like that. But what happened was, yeah. Ronnie, I lived on uh, Kingston Hill, it's Richmond Park, great big park, goes all the way around Richmond in the middle of it and i lived on a gate i've got gates on each end and i lived on kingston gate mac lived on sheen gate and ronnie lived on what he lived on uh richmond gate so they used to close the park up at night close at about seven or eight o'clock and i don't know what it was what he put a studio in and i i gave my drum kit and put to leave in there which is the worst thing i ever did <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had a habit as soon as I got one leg into bed like about midnight you know the phone would ring uh, got my no, mobile, no mobiles in those days well, the whole, the whole and uh, said he said Kenny we haven't got a drummer I said oh right Ron I'll be right around this was uh, one you go there and I get there and uh by this time, I had to drive all the way around the park, and it was just because without. And I, by that time, I had a couple of drinks. So I didn't want to get done for drink driving. Right, a nerve-wracking experience. So I get there, and one night, be Dylan would be there, Bob Dylan. Next, uh, next wow. time, you know, anyone would be there, Bowie, uh, you know, people like that. And so this night, this other, I get this phone call again. Running, Kenny, we haven't got a drummer. Right, be right around, running. Came around. And uh, it was uh, just J it was J Jagger was in there. Oh wow! Uh, Ronnie was, was uh, he just got taken to the delivery of a, a load of outboard electrical gizmos in the control room. So he's missing messing about with them. He's really excited to do that. So it left me and me and Jagger on our own. So we just play the play this riff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it getting late now, so that by now it's like two or three in the morning. And and Jagger said, uh, he said, oh, he said, Kenny, just just do that. I said, I said, no, I'll do it like this. I said, anyway, it's, I said it's late anyway. I said it's only rock and roll. He said, but I like it. And so we messed around with this sort, this this riff. I just thought nothing more of it. I just uh, just and that was it. I'd done my bit, helped out. I got good night. See you. But uh, Ronnie came in and said, uh, "He said, oh, keep playing it, keep playing. I'm gonna put it down." So he, he was he was the engineer. Oh, okay. So we put it down, and that was it. I thought well, that's it. Just go, you know. I've got to get rid of it. Something come up on the screen now. Oh, that's better. I can see you now. So yeah, so it, we we went back and had a listen to it, and that was it. I just went home to bed, and that was it. And I, next minute. I, I just thought that's an idea for a song, you know, for them, not me, or a Jagger. Right. Mm. Okay. And that was it. Next minute, I I hear that, that uh, 
I'm on this only rock and roll, but I like her. I said, what do you mean? I said, I sent you an idea. I said, I'm not on that. And they said, yeah, yeah. They went in the studio to try and capture the song again. And they couldn't capture the feel. Ah. Sure. Okay. They kept your drums. So, so they ended up, I played on it by default, you see. They ended up saying, <laughs> so, so I called Charlie up. I said, Charlie, I said, I, uh, I said, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to play on your bloody album. You know? He said, don't worry, Ken. He said, sounds like me anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just thought, that's a great Charlie is. Charlie was a magic man. That's great. Oh, that's wow. a great story, man. <laughs> and you know what? The fills in that... I mean, it, it, it's a little Charlie-ish, but the way you kind of you're playing over the bar and you keep going to da da da, it's just it's that's a magic. It's a magic feel, man. It really is mm-hmm. one of my favorites. Yeah, I, I, I tend not to play sort of straight like I play kind of follow. It comes from the early days of playing with Steve Marriott because I used to play. Everyone used to say, "Must be great playing with the with the bass, like bass and drums." I said, "I don't play with the bass and drums." I play with, mm. the, with the guitarist. Yeah. That's what Charlie always said about Keith, too, that he yeah. always played we off had, him. I went to Ch- uh, Charlie Watts' memorial, and the Stones played in, this, in Ronnie Scott's. And there I was sitting at the front watching him when the Stones came on. And Keith Richards, I've got to tell you, is the best best guitarist I've ever heard. His sound on, on his little, uh, little Fender amp mm-hmm. was amazing. You know, that kind of rhythm. That's typical Stones rhythm. Yep. Oh, it's, a, yeah. it's a thing, man. And I'd say the other guy that can play that good is Ronnie Wood's got that feel, too, man. He's got this. Oh, yeah. Woody. Yeah. Oh, come on now. Just fabulous. Hey, I want to talk about when you first joined The Who, and you, you can, we'll go into the whole thing. But there were, there was a couple songs that maybe our listeners have never heard from the Quadrophenia soundtrack before Face Dances that you played on. Yeah. that are fabulous uh joker james you remember that no, no, you might not even remember it but go back and listen to it man it is a fiery rock and roll tune and you kick an ass the band sounds more elemental than some of the stuff it just it just sounded like a three-piece it sounded more like the who sounded like in the 60s to me it really sound it's really killer yeah it's gonna yeah i remember when we did, we, we did the album uh with bill zimzik producing mm-hmm. and uh it took me a while to get my head around it. I said, look, you know, this sounds like the Who go Eagles. Mm. Right, because he just done the Eagles. Makes sense. Well, yeah, yeah, he just done the Eagles. And I said, but my, I like, I like a, a, an open ringing sound on my tongues. We all drummers do. Yeah. So I, so I can hear the note. Ooh. Yeah. You know, so this was like, <laughs> you know, yeah. Don's, tip of Don's, I mean, boom. It's like taping a wallet to your snare kind exactly, of a sound. Yeah, uh, heavily, heavily dampened and all that. Tea towels. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that sound was different, but that quite you better, you, i got to say, you bet you bet worked out great on it. Yeah, I did. Oh, yeah. no question. Yeah. Um, but the other one that I, I, there's a song called Get Out and Stay Out that's like a ska beat. Yeah. On that Quadrophenia record too. Yeah. Which is the precursor to the Face Dances record that I, I always dug that too. And I always wondered why, you know, that that wasn't released maybe as a single. Uh, I must listen then. to them again. <laughs> yeah. You can go back and check those out, man. You're playing uh-huh. your ass off, playing your ass off on those. And I'm going to mention one more thing. There's something about your playing that reminds me of Jim Keltner. Uh, you have this thing that you do sometimes. And I think 
the best example, I mean, you know, Stay With Me is a classic we all know, you know, that goes from double time to halftime with some of the greatest drum fills ever in that song. Thank you. I stole those a long time ago. I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, but Silicone Grown is a song that a lot, lot of people wouldn't know. Uh, but it's a great, it's a greasy shuffle from, I think it's the Ooh La La record, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. And, but man, you do a thing where you're playing a shuffle, but then the fill, like on the third verse, you start getting kind of out and you go, you play a, some straight, like in between shuffle and straight. And I just kind of wonder, you, you're a master of that. And Keltner's a master of that. And I, 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 just never, to, I, I never analyze myself. I, I just do it. I just play me. Sure. Mm -hmm. well, sure. Well, I've analyzed it, and that, <laughs> that's one of the hardest things for, I mean, if you try to show somebody how to do that, you can't really show them how to do it. It's just a thing. And I can kind of do it, but man, you can really do it. And Keltner can really do it. But I just want to say thanks, and man, I just, I love that. I love that in-between slippery kind of thing, and you're classic at it, man. Probably because I'm playing with the vocal more than anything. Yeah. Mm. There's two other songs I wanted to, to bring up as you're talking about, and they have to do with The Who. So I revisited those two records, uh, Face Dances and uh, It's Hard, over the weekend. And obviously, You Better You Bet and Eminence Front are just such big, huge hits that we've all heard time and again, and they're amazing. Yeah. But it occurred to me, after I listened to those songs, listened to those albums, the songs that follow those, Don't Let Go the Coat, Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah. I've Known No War. Those two songs are just badass songs. And I and, I, and, and almost, almost felt sorry for those two songs because they're following those other monster songs. I'm like, man, these two are so well, great. I, I love Cry If You Want as well. That's oh, a great yeah, one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes, it's pretty, yes. pretty much the same thing all the way through, but it's, it's, we used to play it live on stage, and it's like you have to get a different snare to put it there. Okay. It's it's a great one. It's a great control one to do. Yeah, and Athena's Athena's great too. It's a great album opener too. I mean, that's killer. Yeah, but see, when you when you play with Pete, you can getting the, the guitar part together. You got you play both playing it together. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, I think I think too. You know, the the experience of obviously you know everybody you know with with Keith Moon and whatnot, and then you stepping into that world. What was that like for you stepping into that well, world and, and I, taking I said, that? When I when I first joined the, the Who, I said, "Look, when I, it's a long story." I said, I, "I said no, I can't join." I read that. Yeah, I read, you were also about to start your own band too, weren't you? Well, I was doing it. I was doing it. Glenn Jones and I were putting a band together, but for Atlantic Records. And we had a deal for about one and a half million dollars in those days. Quite a lot of money ah. for a new for a new venture. And what was that band about? Who was in that band? It's got it's kind of half American, half English. And we had a chick singer as well in the in the band. Huh. Uh, and uh, it was it was just wonderful. It was like like uh, it was like typical English English rock and roll with with, with the with the kind of Eagles type through Phil. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So carry on with your story about the Who. Yeah, so I got a call from Bill Kirby, the Who's manager, and he said, uh, "Kenny, he said I'll come straight to the point." He said, "They have had a meeting. They they want to stay together." He said, "They want you to, to join the band and not not considering anyone else." I said, well, "That's very nice of him." I said, "That's very good." I said, "But I can't." He went, "What do you mean you can't? I can do his chin drop." <laughs> 
I said, I said, well, look, I, I told her I'm just forming a band with Glenn Johns and uh, put this band together. And funny enough, they're over here at the t- now, and we're kind of in the middle of rehearsing. He said, well, look, Pete's coming into the office later on. Let's come and have a, have a chat with him. I said, look, always happy to see Pete. No problem. So I went in the, that evening, and just we just, Pete and I, and Bill Curtis just sat down, just having a chat about the old times, you know, Small Faces touring, and the Who together, we did a lot of that. Mm. And uh, so I kind of, I used to do all the sound checks for Keith because he would never, he never, he, he never turn up. Great big white kid go, bah, 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 yeah, done. Thought nothing more of it. So that was it. So uh, I, uh, we just having a great chat about things and laughing and joking. And then he says, Pete just went and said, you've got to join the band. You're one of us. You've been with us. You know, I said, I said, well, I, I, I really, I'm just in the middle of forming this band. You know, he said, he said, well, you've got to do it. You've got to do it. He said, you're a mod like that's come through the ranks. Mm. I said, look, my band is in town by the, by chance, by this, you know, by the flute. I said, but I said, I'm going to see them later on tonight. I said, let me go and have a chat with them and see what, see what I can say, see what I can do. So my allegiance was to the band that I was forming. So I went to the band and I said, look, I've been asked to join the Who, and I said, you know, don't know what to do. And they, they, they said, Kenny, you've got to join. You've got no. to do it. Nice. So commendable of them. That was it. That's yeah. like, but when I, I said to Pete, look, I'm not going to, I'm not, don't expect me to coffee Keith Moon. I'm not going to do it. Say, so, Keith is unique. There's only one drummer for the hood. So as far as I'm saying, that's Keith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. But I said, and I'll, I'll always stick to that. So, but there's certain things that feels that, and things that Keith does that you want to do anyway. You just really got to play them. Yeah. So, I used to play me, and I'm not straight. Not straight. Keith used to go all over the place, as you know. So, and people, people asked me, Keith would go anywhere, just play all over the place. The only place I know, go all over the place, and still come back in time. Yeah, yeah. Well, one thing I noticed: a song like "Another Tricky Day" or those songs I mentioned from the Quadrophenia soundtrack. Those songs couldn't have been done by Keith Moon because he couldn't really do that. I mean, another it, was, tri- it, wasn't, his, uh, it wasn't his style. It wasn't his style. It wasn't his style at all. But you're going boom, boom, ba, boom, boom, ba, boom on another tricky day, and then you guys have that really. It's like a funk section in the middle of that song on the bridge where it's going in a dun 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 dun. dun totally different than anything the who had done and man you brought yourself to that and really made that made that stuff oh, shine it's very kind of you to say so i mean that's the only thing i can do is bring myself to it right that's what we yeah. all have to do yeah. yeah i always say to people you know first off you, you know young drummers i said look you've just got to discover yourself you know get you got to get, get your own style together don't copy anyone else just just get yourself to find out who you are yep and then it's good then advice take, Take take it take pointers from other people, but you know, discover yourself first. That's damn good advice, right there. Can you talk a little bit about the Paul Rogers project that you did, the Law? Yeah. Oh yeah, no, it's great because we just finished. We just finished the Arms tour, and Paul Rogers was singing on that one as guest name. And it was, it was me, Ch- me, and Charlie Watts, and Eric Clapton, Jimmy Page, Jeff Beck. Funny, funny enough, just this last weekend, I just saw uh, uh, Jeff Beck at the Goodwood Festival of Speed. Is that right? I just played on a track that he played on a couple of weeks oh, ago. Great. 
yeah that was a big big thing for me that's for sure so anyway so paul was on that that tour so we got to know each other well we knew each other before the tour and all that but so uh, you know because and and that was the tour for ronnie lanes the yeah 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 multiple yeah it's a, and so yeah so we did that tour and then that forgot, i just forgot all about it after the tour that was it and then i went down a nightclub uh some late night club in tramps it was called and uh paul rogers was down there and and he, he came up to me he said kenny just a man i want to see should we form a band i said well great no problem so i said yeah so we got together we had to play and uh and we just fell, fell straight into it and that's how we got together well because i've always been a fan of of album art <clears throat> not surprisingly um when i lived in england i lived in sunderland for five years six years almost um i remember the odgan's Ug nut gone flake cover when it came out i thought it was a brilliant you know a spoof on packaging how much did that matter to you as, as you were coming up and looking at albums and thinking about buying albums how much did that influence you well i, I just felt that because it was round it was cool because everything, oh, everything else was square yeah but the, 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 it, was, it caused a lot of problems because when when the the, man, the retailers just just put it on their shelves, they kept rolling off. <laughs> they tried, to, they tried stacking it, and then yeah. it, would, it would walk the phone on. Yeah. Oh, I guess it probably would. So it ended up being round, but in a in a square cover. But I meant you as a, as a consumer of music and as someone that looks at different artists and different projects. Did oh. album? I know that the faces, small faces, always had personality covers so many bands did back in those days it would always be the band on the cover did you ever get into a, a time when you were really impressed by or, or drawn into album art or did that never matter to you just well, like the album the just not gone flake how that cover came about because we, we lived in this house school in pimlico mm -hmm. and you never know who's going to be there i, I know i could i had my own room now i could, I could never stay there because I'd never get any fucking sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and I only lived up the road, so it didn't matter. So, uh, we, you go there, and a, there's a great big tin of Ogden's tobacco. Yeah. It's called Ogden's Flake Tobacco. Brown Flake, yeah, I remember it. And there's a little little tin, so. And uh, so it, it was open with all the, a, a packet of uh, roll-up uh, papers in it, you know, they were rolling up their joints in it. Yeah. Mm. So we were sitting around one day, and I used to smoke in those days. And now and again, I'd have a puff of uh, joint. And uh, so we just sitting around thinking, okay, what should we call the album? And we just looked down and went, well, I called it Ogden's Nut Go and Flake. And other, <laughs> so, to make sure not go when you have it. So, open the tin and smoke something. Cool. So you were an art director as well. That's right. Not me. Not all of us are more or less the same. Um, it was Max Friend who did the, the original sort of medieval sort of uh, uh, artwork in the middle when you opened it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. School artwork. Hmm. Very cool. Yeah. So, Ogden's Nut Gone. Makes you nut go. Yeah, that's a classic record, man. That, what a classic. So, uh, for me, it's one of my favorite albums. From my drumming point of view, for, for me to listen to as a, as a drummer, and and like That's it, great. 
instead of think it's me. Uh, I, I don't really praise myself, but I do like the drumming on that. Well, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Pete Townsend's a big fan of that record. I know uh, yeah. he's gone on record as saying that was a one of the great classics of the sixties. I'd have to agree. Well, you know what happened? He used to call. We were recording it in the Olympic Studios in Barnes. Mm. On his way home, he used to pass the studio, so he stopped in the studio, and then he listened to Ogden's "Not Gonna Fly." And he told me when I joined, he said, "I got so pissed off when I heard the album." That, you know, I was like, oh, how am I going to top that? How can you top this? So he went and he just made out this story about a deaf, dumb, and blind. <laughs> <laughs> that gave him the impetus to you, Tommy. Wow. Well, I mean, I have to say, too, I, and I really admire the fact that you've worked with, you know, if you look at the, the resume of lead singers that you've worked with over the years, most people would dream of working with one yeah, of those guys. Yeah, I'm not too bad. <laughs> really. And you, Paul Rogers, Rod Stewart, Marriott. Roger Daltrey, Townsend. <laughs> well, my, 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 one of my favorites yeah. was, was, was playing with Chuck Berry and Jerry Lennon. Oh, yeah, ah, tell us about tell that. Tell us about that. Oh, that was great. Was, uh, Chuck Berry just uh, got along so famously with him. He just, he just loved the groove and all that. So... It was myself and Emma Clagger, Mac, playing it. It was great. Enjoyed the, the London session. Where was this but, at? And he had, I couldn't believe it. Chuck Sands was so big. I couldn't believe it. That was a record, right, that you guys played on? L the London Sessions. The London Sessions. I yeah. kind of remember that. And then I did another one with uh, Jerry Lewis. Okay. What, he's a character. What was he like? Oh, God. Yeah, it was great. He's a uh, boogie, boogie, boogie. <laughs> He's, uh, <laughs> he just, we just, we just, just got along just great. Well, you're the perfect drummer for those guys because they come from that school of not necessarily straight, not necessarily swing, kind of a groove, man. And you're well, it's kind of, I mean, it comes from my jazz influence. I said everything's got to have a bit of a swing to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's just me. Yep. Just right in between there. Yeah. Well, I do a little skip of that. I do a little skip of that. Yeah, I've been listening to that skip for years, man. I've always enjoyed <laughs> hearing it. I love it. Love it. Like I said, I've got 15 records you've played on. Well, so. I'll tell you something that a lot of people don't realize. I played on Bright Eyes. Oh, yeah? Really? Yeah. Really? I just had a show with them. You can just about hear the drums on them. Yeah. Uh, they turned you down. <laughs> they turned me bloody down, yeah. There's uh, a little, funny enough, there's a little turnaround in it. Mike Bett wrote the song, and there's a little turnaround in it, which I, I this played out for, why is it? Anyway, so I, I, did, I, got, I got it in the end, but it was a bit awkward at first. What's the name of the song? Bright Eyes. Big hit. Okay. Simon Ogofungal. Oh, oh, okay. Bright Eyes is the title track to a film. Well, we're going to be looking that up. Yeah, yeah uh, I already am. So, were you working with Simon and Garfunkel in the studio? No, I, I did it with um, Mike Bat and, and and the band. Uh, he, Mike, Bat, Mike Bat's uh, uh, the he's a, a classical conductor. Uh huh. Great writes great strings and stuff. He wrote he actually wrote the song himself. Uh, I see. So we did it, and then I ended up singing on it. Really? Really? Well, I've got to check that out. Yeah, awesome. Absolutely. So, uh, as a fan, do you remember what the first show that you went to and paid and were excited to see? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. I, I can't. My memory's fading as it is. I can't remember that far back. Sure. Sure. Understand. Well, are there any shows you've been to over the years, and not that you were a part of, but you were just like, wow, it was just... I remember going to see Booker T and the MGs. Okay. In, ah. In, uh, in the... 
late sixties. Oh, they're they're brilliant. Where at? And just sit there with Al Jackson, watching Al Jackson. Mm. Oh yeah, man. Uh, I used to watch the old blues uh, tours that came over, Muddy Waters and all that. Mm. That's great. Man, what's been a pleasure, Kenny? I gotta yeah, say, it's been lovely talking to you guys. It's, yeah. I'm so looking forward to I've been waiting for a new Faces record since I guess the live one came out in 74. So since, I don't know, oh, that's almost 50 years. Almost. Come on now. Come on, guys. Get that thing finished. Get on, get on Rod and tell him to get that thing done. <laughs> We're going to do some gigs in, in, in 2023. Great. Are you really yeah. guys are going to? Yeah. Awesome. Gonna, well, I say it's a fully fledged tour, but we're going to do some promotion. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Glad to hear Can't that. wait. Sure Absolutely. glad to hear You know, it's like when the agents get hold of it, they go, can you do one more? Can you do one more? Oh, sure. <laughs> well, I hope you do, man. I hope you come over to this side of the pond over here. Thank you so much for joining us, Kenny. We really do appreciate the time. Oh, it's a real pleasure. Sure do. Some great stories. Love, love hearing your stories. Yeah, Kenny. Fabulous, man. You're one of my heroes, man. Keep it up. Thank you very much. See you later. I'll see you all soon, man, yeah? All right. Yeah. Yes. Take care. All right. Cheers. Thanks. Awesome. Oh, Take thanks, care. Kenny. Uh, bye. Bye. Cheers, man. Yeah, bye. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye-bye.